Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings, welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Uh, Mr. Joe is across from me, and we're glad to say we have a guest in the studio, a rare occurrence around here, although I guess Matt Russo was here. We had a conservative professor from Susquehanna University last week, and this week we have a conservative professor from Bucknell University. So uh, we continue to uh, invite uh, some folks here who might have slightly different viewpoints on some well, topics we than their peers. That's offsetting our liberal uh, college. Professor Steinhorn. On, Dr. Steinhorn, yeah. <laughs> right, he kept calling us, but uh, yeah, okay, so uh, well, let's launch into the show on the Mark Sponsor by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please do check them out at sunburymotors.com. Uh, later on in our program, we'll have an opportunity for folks to call our toll-free line. Go ahead and write it down now, 1-800-795-9565. Uh, hold your calls for now, because we're going to try to get set the scene a little bit. In the meantime, you can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. And text us at 70236, include the keyword OTM. And with that, I will inter, uh, introduce uh, Father Deacon uh, Paul Sievers. He happens to be Dr. Sievers at Bucknell University, an associate professor of literary studies. Uh, he, We have met him on many occasions wearing different hats, and he has been the humanities representative on the Susquehanna River Heartland Coalition for Environmental Studies. We've talked to him about uh, something you don't hear about every day around here, a startup of the uh, Russian Orthodox Church, and not just a startup of a church that might be meeting at some facility where they can find space, but you even broke ground, correct, on a space? Yeah, we de- we well, we dedicated our land, and we um, are in the final stages of approving building plans, so in Winfield. We have uh, six acres in Winfield near the township office. There, the full name of that great church that it's a new startup. Yeah, it's St. John of Shanghai and San Francisco Russian Orthodox Church. Yeah. All right. Well, fabulous. Good for you. Yeah, you found out that it wasn't just you that had an interest in this, and you found dozens and dozens of other people that would hearken back to their past or had picked up that particular faith, and and then you went on to become a deacon, so you are really sort of the equivalent of a regional bishop around here. Well, yeah, maybe not exactly regional bishop, but uh, locally taking care of the mission here, yeah. Okay, fabulous. Well, thanks for that. Well, today, the particular hat you're wearing, and uh, I just think is a fabulous idea, the Open Discourse Coalition. We've talked about it a number of times on WKOK Sunrise. This is that idea of having a go-to place where individuals on all sides of important political and other community topics and conversations can go together and enjoy civil discourse, as the name implies. Set the scene a little bit better for me. And tell I would us. suspect no weapons allowed, right, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're a peaceful 
peaceful group. We come in peace for all mankind. Yeah, and what is the Open Discourse Coalition? Well, so it's a, a foundation set up by Bucknell alumni to support Bucknell faculty and students in getting different viewpoints on campus and experiencing debate and dialogue where hopefully people aren't just name-calling and uh, uh, getting upset with each other, but where we can really talk about things in the best of the liberal arts tradition, analyze things, maybe change each other's views by coming from different directions, too. I've noticed, um, and Mark and I have talked about this a couple of times on the program, that the discourse seems to be coming more strident these days, you know, and we've had some people on the program that uh, will call you names instead of debating with you. They want to want to insult you or downgrade your opinion. How hard is it for people, of, of, from your experience, of people with really divergent viewpoints to come together at all? It, it's getting harder, and, you know, I just heard from a couple students in the last few weeks, and maybe they're good examples because we're really there for the students in education, right? Um, and in those cases, they were telling of how they feel they have to pretend and play a role when they're talking with faculty members or in class that they can't really share their own views. They're, they're not extremists of any kind, um, but they go against the grain of the current uh, academic orthodoxy. And uh, in one case, one is thinking of withdrawing from the university because he just feels uh, it, it, it's um, so uh, restrictive in terms of, you know, he's not really able to have discussions with people about his views, and in another case, uh, the student is just like keeping quiet and uh, says he feels like he's performing a role uh, by having a kind of fake uh, persona about you know oh, yeah I'm supportive of this and that and you know not not really talking about what he really thinks. And there are other students like that, so it's uh, uh, it, it's reached that point with, for some young people where where they they just are not used to the idea that you can have a disagreement and be open about it and be thoughtful about it, and that's too bad. Well, I don't want to pick on Bucknell, but uh, using it as an example of all colleges from your, your frame of reference, how, how much diversity of opinion is really acceptable on campus? Yeah, it's, um, you know, but I'll preface this by saying that Bucknell is, is not as bad as other places, and, and we, you know, we do have some support for the kind of programming we're trying to bring with what we call viewpoint diversity. But uh, throughout higher education and at Bucknell, uh, it, um, it's hard to, for example, uh, critique aspects of um, uh, issues about um, uh, politics and um, issues about how to approach the issue of race in terms of policies, how to approach issues of difference between cultures and their attitude towards sex and sexuality. Uh, if you have some different points of view, even if people are trying to be respectful, they may easily get labeled uh, racist, fascist, uh, transphobic, and so forth. And that really shuts down the discussion because nobody wants to be labeled those things. And, and I think students fear that that will follow them in their careers it will damage their careers to have those labels attached to them. How did we get to the point where we suddenly couldn't hear, couldn't listen to anyone else and that we became so strident in our viewpoints that uh, we refused to listen? Yeah, that's that's a good question, and I, I think um, 
there, there's a sort of doomsday attitude, like you know, it's the apocalypse. We've got to uh, we've got to go all out in support of the right position. And at the moment, those positions on campuses tend to be from the left. It could be from the right too. I mean, in other time periods or other situations, it happens right now that it t- tends most often to be the extreme left. But you have people on the extreme right who are just as apocalyptic and and extreme. Uh, they, they don't tend to predominate at this moment so much in academia. So it is a problem all around. And of course, President Trump was, you know, added to that, and everything got ratcheted up. People got mad, and um, so I think um, uh, I I don't know. I I think maybe it's partly a function of having a society that's been pretty affluent despite all our problems, and you know, it's almost like we're kind of eating our own at this point that we've got so caught up with these ideas that we forget about the basics of how to deal with each other as human beings. You know, uh, a lot of people have had problems and have suffered and have uh, n- uh, been marginalized in our, our society, and that that's really true. But what's going on at the universities, it's often very privileged people who are leading these fights, you know, faculty members who have a lot of income, benefits, their kids are going to Ivy League schools, they live in nice homes, and yet they're 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 taking these attitudes up where they don't want to listen to other people's points of view. So it I don't know if it's a problem of privilege in a strange way. It's trying to address privilege, but it's it's really <laughs> trying to enforce uh, a certain point of view. What's the hardest to overcome, cultural or political differences? Well, I think underneath the political differences are the cultural differences, and those may be harder. Uh, uh, I, I think on the surface, a lot of what we deal with are political differences. So if we have, if people get targeted on campus, it's usually framed as a political difference. But like one of the students I was mentioning earlier is a politically conservative Catholic, and I think a lot of his views are informed by what would, could be considered a cultural difference, where he's coming from. And that might affect issues not only of politics, but issues like, uh, you know, how do you approach... same-sex marriage or transgenderism, things like that. And it, it, we haven't been good at finding respectful ways to discuss, okay, you might have different cultural views on those things, uh, but we can still respect each other and be, be good to each other. Um, it, instead, that became sort of, you know, those became life or death sorts of issues, it seems like, and that spilled over into politics. So we don't, to get back to your question, I don't think we talk about the cultural differences enough when we're talking about the political differences because those are underneath there, too. Dr. Soika sat in that chair and said, you know, this is proof of America just getting better and better and better. You know, almost the more divisive the argument, the more more tighter the snapback when we pull back together and, you know, kind of keep pushing in the same way. Uh, Can you be that? Are you personally that optimistic that this this is us climbing a, a rung at a time to greatness? I... I think that if we can help our young people in 
our schools and colleges to start to feel more comfortable with expressing disagreement, that they don't feel they all have to have, they all have to conform to the same point of view, but that they can have give and take. Uh, I, then I'm hopeful. I think we can do that. I think some of our young people are getting tired with the boomers fighting and, you know, <laughs> the high decibels of things. So in that sense, I'm, I'm optimistic. But uh, I think it's going to be hard for us in our institutions, the academia, media, politics, um, even corporations, to encourage that in the near future. So it's I'm optimistic in the long term, but uh, I, I think that snapback uh, effect, may, you know, hopefully will carry us through. It has in the past. You know, I think America has a history of that. You know, and, and we've we've gotten through different things and we've gotten better as a country, I think, arguably. And and maybe that's part of what's happening here. But uh, but in the short term, it it's, can be destructive of, you know, people's lives and reputations, too. Well, we can't laugh at ourselves anymore. You know, it yeah. used to be when I was growing up, somebody told me an Irish joke or a Catholic joke, I would laugh and I would find it. Since if the Irish story was American. funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, the, if the story were funny. But Dave Chappelle, the comedian, tells an interesting story in a, in a special he's done on Netflix about uh, the cancel culture coming down on him because he makes jokes about the LGBTQ community. And they wanted to cancel him. And a member of that community wrote an email sticking up for him, one of his friends. Uh, and they wound up, the, the LGBT community wound up hounding that person so badly, uh, in his opinion, they took their own life. You know, why can't we laugh at ourselves anymore? Why can't a comedian, a Don Rickles today, would be uh, ostracized and probably stoned in the streets? And yet, I grew up in that kind of comedy, laughing at myself, you know, finding some humor in what's going on around us. Well, and Andrew Sullivan, who is a pretty prominent um, LGBTQ writer, um, commented on that, or he wrote a piece about that recently, you know, and the Chappelle incident, as I recall, and that he and his partner, in, uh, I believe they're married in a same-sex marriage, they found it funny, and he, Sullivan was criticizing the lack of sense of humor on these issues. And we, we actually, I bring that up because we had Sullivan in a program that we did at Bucknell, where we had him talk with Rod Dreher, who's a conservative Christian. They happen to be friends. Sometimes they're frenemies, but they're friends. Uh, and they were talking about the issue of sexual freedom versus religious freedom. You know, how in a country like ours, where we're very pluralistic, we're a, sex, we're a secular uh, culture, country, um, you know, how do we navigate between those? You know, because there are arguably protections for those in the First Amendment and elsewhere in the Constitution, you know. Uh, and, and it was a very productive conversation. That's the kind of conversation we hope to encourage where you're going to have people come together. They disagree on some basic issues, cultural, political, uh, but they can converse about it and, uh, and you know, come away not in a simple-minded way, but come away smiling in the sense that they're still uh, on a sort of friendly level. Well, we, were, we're t we are talking about ideas and things that are taught in courses and dialogues that are happening on campus. Soon we're going to talk about things that went from an idea to a place, and that's downtown Lewisburg. We'll talk about the Open Discourse Coalition that uh, has uh, probably appropriately uh, in an old bank building. So it is the place where great ideas or great storage of wealth was occurred. Now it's going to be the wealth of ideas stored at this uh, facility, a financial institution in downtown Lewisburg. So we're going to talk about that. We'll open up the phones if you have a question for our guest. Paul Sievers is here from 
Bucknell. now. He's one of the founding members of the Open Discourse Coalition. We'll also talk about uh, Bucknell's uh, Institute for Public Policy and their uh, Bucknell Program for American Leadership. We've been glad to promote and talk to some of the speakers that have been at that. The idea, of course, is to make sure that important political viewpoints and ideas are brought up, talked about, understood, and uh, really uh, given venue at uh, Bucknell and in our country. So we're going to continue this conversation. When we come back, you can join us by calling 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Uh, we got some callers lined up, so that, well, one coming in, one ready. That'll probably be about all that we'll have time for. So uh, those will be the two callers who will get through in this particular segment. Now, the Open Discourse Coalition is now a place, and it's a series of events and courses. So tell us about that. Sure. Well, on campus, the uh, Bucknell Program for American Leadership continues with the support of the Open Discourse Coalition. So this coming Tuesday evening, we have Jordan Peterson, the professor of psychology from the University of Toronto coming. He's speaking on the liberal arts tradition versus totalitarianism. <laughs> and uh, so that's going to be at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Um, he wrote the foreword to the 50th anniversary edition of Alexander Solzhenitsyn's The Gulag Archipelago. Um, Peterson also is controversial as a kind of cultural critic, uh, but he has a good-sized following among students, and we had a little controversy in the student newspaper. There was a critical article uh, about him, and then a lot of people jumped on in the comments and were criticizing the critical article. So, <laughs> so this is an opportunity for some dialogue, hopefully, and discussion. Well, and he's ultra-conservative? Is that safe? Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, actually, people have told me that politically he's kind of liberal, but uh, he tends to... Um, uh, uh, talk about things like um, how kids need to make their beds and uh, kind of... <laughs> well, he also <laughs> talks about the fact that we're drifting into communism. And that's sort of right. a, so that, you know, why I would say it's conservative. Right, that's kind of right. a conservative thing. Not okay. so much of a drift. We seem to be rowing rather fast. But. See? I, I tell you, the less you know, the more you say <laughs> yeah, that. So. Joe was going to introduce him on Tuesday. No, <laughs> so, but Okay, so that's one event that's coming up. You have Edward Snowden coming up uh, throughout the year and a wide range of other speakers. Yes. So 
opendiscourse.org. What's the website to get yeah, the schedule? Yeah, sure. It's um, uh, bucknellleaders.org and also opendiscoursecoalition.org. So at either website, you can find info on the events. Yeah. All right. We got Eric on the line. A brief question for our good guest here. Please go right ahead, Eric. Uh, Dr. Seavers can hear you now. Good morning, Dr. Seavers. Uh, so the question I have is this. I'm somewhat, I can be somewhat conservative in some things. I'm conservative on the abortion issue. I don't think abortion should be used as a method of birth control. But when we see this law coming into us, this terrible law down in, in Texas, which does not even allow exceptions for abortion in the case of a woman being raped or incest, and then on top of that, encouraging people to become like a Gestapo to turn people in into, uh, you know, to report on other people, isn't there a concern that, that that kind of hard line would affect people like me and kind of drive them to the other side of the issue, saying perhaps, uh, you know, we, we need to have uh, more open ideas about abortion? Well, I think my, my overall sense is that our politics have become meaner in recent times, and mm-hmm. I think that particular issue would be a great one for us to do a program about on campus and try to find somebody on each side of that law to be able to talk about it. I think there are people who would say, oh, there, there aren't two sides of that, um, you know, uh, uh, agreeing with you or agreeing with the other side. Um, but it would be interesting to hear out you know, some more of the thoughts on this. My sense, not being an expert on this at all, is that that law was an attempted end run around different court restrictions on anti-abortion laws, and it did end up being arguably kind of strange that you set up this uh, system for, uh, you know, bringing suit against people as you described it. All right, thank you so much, Eric. Dick, you get a question for our good guest, Dr. Paul Sievers. Yeah, I wanted to just, just make a comment. Uh, I've known him for a long time at Buckdale. Buckdale is very fortunate to have him teaching at the university down there. I've known him for for quite a while since his since his kids were small, and now they're upper teenagers, I think. But he is he's. I got to know him for my love for bass fishing in the river. He's a very very uh, very well spoken guy with lots of interest outside of just professing teaching and his religion. So he's a well-rounded that's, individual if he fishes in the river. That's, Good that's for ki- you. That's kind of you. We just had a. <laughs> I just brought a class out to um, the Union County Sportsman's Club to get a fly fishing demonstration with the Trout Unlimited folks out there. We were reading a book called The Complete Angler by Isaac Walton, which was written back in the 1600s about fishing. So, But th- thanks. That's very kind. All right. So uh, back to the Open Discourse Coalition. Uh, tell me that this isn't just a bunch of Bucknell eggheads that are going to be like <laughs> listening to six <laughs> George Wills talk to each other. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, you know, one one dream that we have uh, is is not. I think six George Wills would be kind of a nightmare as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but um, uh, one dream we have that we're still trying to work out is to have Bernie Sanders uh, debate and dialogue with uh, someone like Rick Scott. So if we can get two senators from across the political divide and have a discussion, that is something we've seriously been working on trying to do. So in answer to your question, uh, we're trying to get people on different sides of the issue. Uh, I was mentioning that with um, Edward Snowden, we're having a a former Harvard professor, Shona Zuboff, who describes herself as to the left of Bernie Sanders. Uh, She'll be on with him. They both have concerns about digital surveillance culture in our uh, society today. Snowden tends to be more a a libertarian. I think he was a Rand Paul supporter back way back when. Uh, He's an exile. 
well, of course. But, you know, we try to bring together often in programming people with those different kinds of views. And uh, so uh, as far as the egghead thing goes, that's always a problem. Uh, academics, myself more than anybody, uh, we tend to have big egos, as my wife would say, uh, for sure. And um, uh, But we are trying to make this as something as helpful as possible for students and people in the community just to try to model for ourselves, first of all, how, how can we have disagreements and debates and be thoughtful about it and have different points of view. So uh, so hopefully everybody will help keep us on track, including uh, uh, Mark, uh, yourself, and Joe, so that we, we, we're less eggheads and more, <laughs> more helpful. We and I were talking before the program started about our political leaders and the fact that they used to confront uh, all kinds of people, and they'd stand up in, in front of a hostile crowd and take questions, and now they seem to avoid it. You know, how, how do we get our political leaders to, to maybe take the lead in this kind of thing? If they won't meet with people who oppose them, uh, how can we ever hope to have a meaningful dialogue between disparate groups? Well, there, there's, you know, I, I just get back to this real sort of nastiness in the air in our political culture currently. And you can get it on both sides, on, on the far right and on the far left. But when a senator is at cinema, am I pronouncing that right? You know, when she's chased into the women's restroom and, uh, um, you know, you have other situations. I know people are uncomfortable about some school board meetings across the country, but then you know, so that I, I don't think it's good, to, you know, in any case to have like threats like at school board meetings. But on the other hand, having the FBI intervene as it did seem heavy handed, we seem to have like one you know, it's it's a uh, sort of an effort to uh, up the game each time where it seems to get worse and worse. And I think some of our political officials who don't want to talk to people on the other side, whether it's locally or elsewhere, you know, just the meanness that out that is out there is part of that. I think uh, they they don't want to have to deal with that. It's it's not. Uh, we've always had mean politics, but it it just seems more ideologically driven on both sides today, which well, is too bad. Teddy Roosevelt said, "Speak." softly but carry a big stick maybe just speak softly period yeah that's right <laughs> well and do some listening stop speaking for five minutes will it kill us you know well thank you so much any additional comments you find to be critically important you wish to mention please yeah well I would just uh, if it's okay put in a plug again for Jordan Peterson's visit where he's going to be at the Wise Arts Center Tuesday night at 7 p.m. and there will be overflow space at Trout Auditorium on campus all right so yeah this would be great yeah they do a social distance seating. The hall only holds, uh, holds maybe two grand or something in that range, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it's, they know how to do social distancing. I've been for one of the performances. Thank you so much, Paul. Paul Very much you. appreciated. Oh, thank you so much. Great uh, talking with you both. Paul Back Sievers, again. Associate Professor of Literary Studies at Bucknell University, uh, one of the founding members of the Susquehanna River Ho Heartland Coalition for Environmental Studies. This is WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, 
Mark Lawrence, and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me, and he is directly opposed to the sound, common sense, street-level ideas that I talk about. He brings... You mean the idiotic ideas you espouse in this program? Sort of. Oh, Paul, we have to apologize to Paul. We've lost our focus here. We're supposed to stop (laughs) name-calling. Right. Um, But uh, so no no more... I find you to be not only strikingly handsome, but brilliant. Thank you. There, is that better? Yes, and I don't find Misguided, you... Misguided, but... Even brilliant. though I said you were, I don't think you're stupid, okay? Thank you. Are you happy now? Quite happy. Uh, yeah, he talked about a couple of websites. I really invite you to go to those if you're interested in civil discourse, open dialogue, and you do have to be willing to listen. That's that's part of it. You have Dog to be able it. to kind of get, uh, you know, some of the idea. Yeah, Joe, you can take out the Fox <laughs> Funnels and put in your, your OAN blinders instead for these because you'll have to listen a little bit. BucknellLeaders.org, that is the main website that is on campus for their uh, series of invitations to speakers on a wide range of topics. And OpenDiscourseCoalition.org is their website for that uh, building and facility and the courses. And they are going to have some uh, paid courses that people can take this uh, coming up. So uh, maybe it's in the spring. I'm not sure. They may be sold out, but they are going to have... actual classes so at the Open Discourse Coalition, plus some speakers, including Edward Snowden, plus a wide range of other individuals from around the world. So they're, we're going to hear sort of the uh, extreme conservative, maybe extreme liberal. Uh, Snowden, what is he, extreme spy, sort of anti-government <laughs> kind of thing? I'm not quite sure how you would uh, characterize him. All right, On the Mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check him out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. We would love to hear from you. We do have one email pending, so we'll read that as uh, time goes on. And no text at this moment, but our chief texter is waiting to talk, so we'll let him stand by just quick one moment while we do headlines. Uh, do text us, though, at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Uh, we have some headlines. Another Valley institution raising its minimum wage. Bucknell University implementing a new minimum pay rate of at least $15 an hour for many, but not all of their workers. They say the workers at the dining services, golf course, and book course, bookstore won't be included because they don't actually work for the university. They work for a private vendor that runs those particular endeavors, although they do note that many of those workers are already at 15 and above uh, dollars per hour. But for Bucknell employees, about a 1,000 of them, there will be a $15 per hour minimum pay there. Evangelical community Hospital in Geisinger recently up their minimum pay level to $15 an hour. No deaths related to COVID-19 reported over the weekend, but the surge in the virus continues in terms of new cases. As for deaths, the state total is just below 30,000 individuals at this time. New cases, 12,389 new cases reported over the past three days, 283 of those in our area and about half of them in Northumberland County. Josh Shapiro, the State Attorney General says he will formally announce his candidacy for governor tomorrow. He's been effectively running for governor for years and now will make it official. There are no other announced or rumored Democratic candidates for governor of Pennsylvania. Shapiro not considered a shoe-in because of, in part, because of the performance of Governor Tom Wolf during office and many elements of pushback during the pandemic and numerous Republican candidates lining up for the opportunity to run against him. 
President Biden was in Pennsylvania. He was with one of the characters from the Real Housewives of Orange County, or Rock, as it is known, R-H-O-C, Real Housewives of Orange County, not something Joe watches. But President Biden was at the wedding of Megan O'Toole King, married the president's nephew, Cuff Owens, yesterday. The president attended the wedding in Kennett Square. The bride and former reality star are married a couple of times before, once to a St. Louis Cardinals center fielder, Jim Edmonds. <laughs> right, so what? Okay. So what? Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I don't, that's the trouble you with You want to go into their intimate family history? You know? AP, you get what you get. It was in Kennett Square, which, of course, is known for... Being square. No, mushroom capital of the world. And, of course, lots of uh, dung to feed the mushrooms. So you're saying there's plenty of dung in Kennett Square. Right. All right. Stan, you're on the mark. Please use that as a stepping point to diss <laughs> President Biden. Well, that's, that, well, I mean, that is what Biden has been doing to us, keeping us dark and feeding us piles of... Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, could somebody please explain to me why the US, United States of America... The country that just pulled out of Afghanistan after almost 20 years is going to send humanitarian aid to the Taliban. Could somebody please explain that to me? What are we sending? Yeah, what are we sending? I haven't heard that. Money. They, they had some talks over in Qatar, wherever they were, the, they've been meeting over the past however many months. You know, they get together for their, you know, big events and talks and spend lots of our money. Uh, my understanding is we've agreed to give them money. It's well, been on the ABC News report. I looked on the line this morning before I called, and it's being reported by ABC News and the other major news outlets. For humanitarian aid, of course. What strings are attached, if any? I don't, I don't know that there are any. <laughs> we asked them to help, you know, fight ISIS-K and ISIS in general, and the Taliban basically told us to go pound sand is what my understanding of what we've been told. So I don't know if there's any strings attached. Oh, then we're just going to give them money. You know, because, of course, we want them to treat women better, but we know all know how that's going to work out. <laughs> so could somebody please explain to me why we're sending them money? Well, maybe it's we all... We don't have to get out of Afghanistan. We need to stay out. Maybe it's going to get a lot of coverage because it's so outrageous, but that will detract from the fact that the president's got a real mess with inflation. Bacon's up 18 percent. They can't find things on store shelves because the supply chain is screwed. I mean, this is not a good time to be uh, trying to get anything accomplished in this country. Just, just another uh, diversion, I assume. Yes, probably so. But, you know, it, it, uh, in my opinion, w with the money, the debt that we're in in this country, there should be absolutely zero, zero dollars going to any country. I don't care who they are, any country. We send money to China in aid. Why are we sending money to China? What? <laughs> yes, we do. If you look it up, right. it's there. We send it to China. We send it to all kinds of countries. Why? Well, we don't China, have the money. We're borrowing the money. If China can afford to buy all of our debt, I don't see why we'd be sending them any money to help them out. So let's see if I have well, this right. We borrow money from China so we can send aid to China. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's pretty much what it seems like. Now, it's not to help the government, supposedly, for uh, humanitarian-type stuff and all that. Well, that's a pile of horse dung because it all has to be funneled through the government. So you know what happens with it same thing it's going to happen that the money goes to Afghanistan you know we we set them up uh, with 
you know, power and water and all that thing to keep the country, especially around Kabul and that. And right now they're having rolling blackouts because they can't operate the power system and all that. We set them up with good stuff. And what happened? Less than a month in, they're destroying it. Makes sense to me. Well, I mean, I, I think President Biden's reaction to almost anything could charitably be called confused. I mean, he doesn't <laughs> seem to have a clear plan on dealing with any of these crises. I mean, you you look at what we've got going on in this country. The supply chain is in desperate, desperate straits. Ships are piled up off our coasts waiting to get people back to work. Where did all these people go? You have you have an airline that had to cancel, what, some thousands of flights because they can't find enough pilots. Where did all these people go? Well, they also go? had to walk out because of some of their uh, owners. No, they had mark, 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 mark. No. The pilots union has said, no, that's not the reason for the mandate, because of the mandate. That's not why they're having the problems they're having. Is it worker issues? Is it uh, uh, employee issues? Finding employees, yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. Issues well, with we air don't know because control. Southwest has blamed it on the weather and, and traffic air traffic control is situation. Yeah. I think Although they none hinted, of the other airlines have been affected. I think they hinted yesterday that uh, personnel is part of the discussion, but I didn't listen to it. I, it doesn't really bother me. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure personnel is part of it, whether it's a walkout. But you're saying the union says, nope, we didn't walk out. We're, the, we're, we're there yeah. if somebody it's can... No, it's no organized event that they, you know, because I guess if they came out and said it, it would be what? Not, uh, not It's legal. not on fair labor practices. That's the business. What's a union do when they go against the contract for something like that? It's whatever... I've seen Viol- it online. Violates called, their collective bargaining agreement? Yeah, something along the lines that they're dealing in bad faith or something. Whatever that would be doing, if they did it, would be illegal okay. because they have a contract. I, I don't know, you know, but it's something the union can't come out and say outright. Whether it's you know orchestrated or not through the union, they won't come out and say it. Don't know, don't care. Well, there Luckily, was a, I'm not flying anywhere. There's a great opinion piece today by Liz Peake, and it's mm-hmm. on Fox. But one of the things she says here, and I have the whole article, is unhappily an administration that identifies climate change as one of our country's biggest threats and one that is deep in the pocket of organized labor is unlikely to do anything to ease the uh, challenges, the supply chain challenges, the inflation that we're dealing with. But Biden is determined to put green lobbyists ahead of voters who rank climate change eighth among their many concerns behind COVID, poor leadership, race relations, immigration, and the economy. So well, that's, priority, all, that's all true, and, but I, I don't think it's Biden. I think it's his puppet masters, the ones behind him pulling the strings. You know, the ones that tell him that he can't answer questions and that kind of stuff. Those are the ones that's pulling the strings and doing what's going on. We don't know who those people are. That's the problem. Well, They're the, non-elected people behind the curtains. They tell him that now's the time he has to turn around and leave the room. You know, <laughs> who tells the president of the United States he has to shut up and leave? That's that. That's the big question, and we need to know that. Right. But uh, we'll never know that. Now, the other thing, one other thing before I leave, out in California, Newsom is, I don't know if he's signing a law, but he's working at it, to ban all small engines, like in lawnmowers and generators and, uh, <laughs> you know, the yes. assorted thing in California. Now, my question is, since they have rolling blackouts and people own generators, how are they going to run those generators to give themselves power when they have the rolling brownouts and blackouts in California because of the ineptitude of the government in California? 
All right, we got you, Stan. Good question. Yep. You ask a wide range of excellent questions, and our well, listeners. Well, I mean, the are... worst thing that happened in a long time is that Newsom wasn't recalled. Uh, ain't that the truth? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Stan. Thanks for calling in. Thanks a lot. All right. We're going to take a quickie break. we got callers lined up. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. One of our good listeners sent us a clipping from Reuters. And we know they always are right. Uh, as desperate Afghans resort to selling their belongings to buy food, international officials are preparing to fly in cash for the needy while avoiding financing the Taliban government, according to people familiar with the confidential plans. <laughs> formally confidential Yeah, plan. formally. Planning for the cash airlifts is going ahead against the background of a rapidly collapsing economy where money is short, although diplomats are still debating whether Western powers can demand that the Taliban make concessions in return, according to international policy documents seen by Reuters. The emergency funding aimed at averting a humanitarian crisis in the face of drought and political upheaval could see U.S. dollar bills flow into Kabul for distribution via banks and payments of less than $200 directly to the poor, with the Taliban's blessing but without their involvement, as well is flying in cash to stem the immediate crisis. Donor countries want to set up a humanitarian plus trust fund that would pay salaries and keep schools and hospitals open, two senior officials said. So we're going to help the Taliban by helping their citizens instead of putting pressure on the, the Taliban to do the right thing. There's still stories about them beheading people in the countryside. All right, we got you. So more facts apply to this. Thank you so much. So we're flying in airplane loads of money. Wow. <laughs> Mike, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. So, Joe, is that a new form of nation building? It must be. It certainly sounds like it. Let's send in direct cash payments to people. Well, if Reuters <laughs> is right, it's called feeding the poor. Well, how do they get to be in such dire straits? Because we pulled out and left the Taliban in charge. That's how they got to be in such dire straits. I'm sure that's all that I happened. It's just I that. Thought, I thought we had a lot of poor that needed feed here in the country, and the only reason it's not getting done was because of stingy Republicans. I, I think that I think we need to send that money to feed our own here. But hey, the real reason I called was yesterday I introduced some uh, a topic about uh, herd immunity. And I backed it up with data from the American CDC and uh, Israel and Sweden's basically equivalent uh, experts, okay? And a caller came in and insinuated, rather than address my uh, direct points, he insinuated that people like me are advocating that people die to get out of this uh, pandemic or whatever it is. And I just want to say that that's not true, not in the in the least. 
But maybe I'll get some feedback today when I say, <clears throat> right now, uh, you're talking about, Joe, I think you were specifically uh, read something about the supply chain and, and the problems with getting goods to, to, to the, the shelves in the stores and what have you, and Christmas maybe canceled and all that. But one of, the, one of the reasons why we're having problems with the supply chain is because we have an increased demand. The amount of money, now listen, you know, people are gonna say there's poor people, there's poor people, but the reality is this, the amount, this is government statistics again, the amount of money in people's savings and checking accounts right now is at an all-time high. <clears throat> and it's due to the fact that many people got checks in the mail or direct deposits with all the different stimulus programs. The Democrats have enacted uh, new uh, safety nets for people with you know direct cash payments to their uh, checking accounts or whatever uh, in the form of child tax credits. And due to decreased demand over a period of almost two years where people weren't going out spending that money, we have all this money and that is creating a, a demand that's even higher than pre-pandemic yeah, pre levels. So, you know, what are we doing by bringing in uh, basically 200 million people into this country that were, you know, illegal aliens a day ago or so, and then they come in and they walk across the border, and now they're coming into the United States in addition to the people from Afghanistan, but that's another topic. So we're increasing demand, and we're not increasing supply, so the only thing that's going to happen in that case is inflation or lack of products to buy. So I want to hear from all my uh, friends on the Democrat left why we should be bringing in two million people across our border right now and then moving them into the United States. Wh what is the end game? Why are we doing this? And is it legal? Are you okay with it? What, what's the deal here? So, you know, I'll, I'll hang up and then... Well, and I, hold on a you, second. You can Refresh my memory. How do how did you get the number up to 200 million? I know we, for some strange did reason... Did I say 200 million? A couple of times. Correct me. Two million. Okay, that sounds better. Well, yeah, not good. But I, I, I stand corrected. 200,000 a month on average. And again, we'll go back to the data. They, they, they're stopping, what was it, 200,000 are being admitted, and they think as many as 400,000 have gotten across the border undetected. Okay, so you, that, it's even worse than that. It, it, and we're ignoring a situation where it's going against American law, it's going against everything that this country stands for, of you know, one person, one vote, or whatever you want to call it, where people can just walk in to the country and be transported. Who's paying for it? What, what, who's sponsoring this? Why is it happening, and what is the desired result from this action? That's all I want to know, and I want people to talk about it. And I don't want to be said I'm advocating for uh, rich people, or I don't want to be said I'm advocating for people to die or any of that stuff. I just want answers. Well, I think, uh, of course, your numbers, as I think you're trying to point out, are very nebulous. You know, the two million figure is it's plus or minus a million. Now, what kind of a statistic could that possibly be? Yeah, and secondly, I, I think it all speaks uh, quite handily to uh, the re-election of President Trump in three years. He wants back in, and this is one of the things he says he'll do is he'll stop that. President Biden hasn't done anything. Of course, he put Kamala Harris in charge of it, and of course, you see how that has worked out. So, uh, 
um, you know, nothing's getting resolved. She's busy talking this to paid be, child actors. This may be part of the giant Democratic conspiracy that you're talking about, but it certainly isn't. Uh, regardless, it's not helping the nation, whatever the conspiracy <laughs> is, or whether it's, you know, to get more Democratic votes. But, uh, yeah, we invite people to weigh in on this topic. But, yeah, um, he'll be President Trump again shortly, so that's about the only hope we got. Did you well, see... Uh, you know what? Th- nope, we got to get another Mark. call. we got to get another the, call. Nope. we got to get another call. Okay, keep Did saying you? President Trump, President Trump. That's, you know, the left wants to hear that. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Did you All see right. Kamala Harris's um, video that she produced with a company called Sinking Ship Video Productions? <laughs> She was uh, no. talking about the space with little kids. It turns out the kids are all paid child actors. Oh, she did what, like a video promotional thing? Yeah, like she's trying to help them become interested in science. Think big. It was something about curiosity. Well, we need more girls involved in STEM. I hope it wasn't there's just some... girls. It was boys, too. Oh, well, that's not right. You shouldn't have that. All right, Eric, you're on the mark. Thanks for waiting. Go. Good morning, gentlemen. As, as to Mike, and that, that was me calling yesterday, questioning him. I'm sorry, but if you are promoting uh, herd immunity over vaccinations, then you are then accepting the fact that a bunch of people are going to die to get that herd immunity. Whether you want to white, whitewash it, Mike, or not, that, that's the facts. We know that the uh, vaccinations uh, are safe. We know that people who get COVID can die. So, so that is. But my, my point calling today, and I called earlier, so I'll, I'll keep this brief. I want anyone, anyone out there who, who is standing on the far right as far as conservative on this issue of abortion, and I am not one who is promoting abortion, but anyone, I want to hear anyone's defense out there that any woman who has been raped, and I'm going to include uh, incest of, of someone under 18 as in a group becomes pregnant as being raped, I want them to defend the fact that that woman should not be able to seek to terminate that pregnancy. I want to hear facts. I want to hear the reason rationale for that. Well, it's simple. Life is life is life is life. It doesn't matter what crime or felony or perpetrator or what led the the victim to be pregnant. Life is life. That's all. I mean, it's not a complex argument. That much I can argue for or explain. And so that, that woman then is supposed to uh, go through the time of that whole pregnancy and, and be suffering that constantly time and time again. That, that 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 she has been had been violated, and uh, so so for nine months, and then from the time on, she's not supposed to have any rights to her own body. Then because well, under her, I hate to say this, but if you have a person, I mean, they would argue if you have a person who's a victim of rape or incest, as you're describing, why should you go out of your way to create two victims of it? One one the rape victim or incest victim, the second the homicide of the baby. That's what they argue. So, so we're totally disregarding the woman in this case. She doesn't matter. <laughs> Once, once she becomes, so she's nothing, she's not a human being anymore. She is she's a carrier of the... incubator for another human life. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a pretty good summary. Well, I, in this case, I, I'm coming down on Eric's side because I think if a woman has been raped like that, as much as I oppose abortion, I should don't think that any woman should be forced to relive every day of her life a crime that was committed against her if she chooses not to. Right. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, Eric asked, how could anybody possibly say that that life is more important than the life of the mother? Well, and, they're going to say he, that the, it's not the child's fault. Right. Why punish the baby? It's a baby. 
All right. You're, you're, you're subhumanizing the woman then. <laughs> I'm not. She's nothing more than, than a reproductive factory. Uh, she, the women don't have any rights. Uh, they're nothing. I didn't say that. I'm just saying. That's what you're saying. That's what they can argue. That's what you're saying. Well, we have a real pro-lifer on the line. You so subhumanize we'll you. <laughs> right. Uh, we, we'll get, we got a guy. Uh, who's... I'm going to get off now because I love to hear someone defend that argument. I really would. Well, right. Somebody will. Stand I'm by. Sure. All right. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. How could you possibly defend the taking of an innocent life? In a moment. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. we got callers standing by, 1-800-795-9565. I'll start out by saying what the question is and then your view of the answer. The question was, um, how can you support a abortion when it's a rape baby? Correct. Well, two yep. wrongs don't make a right. you got to hate the sin, not the baby. Why should the baby die for something that the father did? I mean, that's... Well, that's, that's, that's a way. nice way to look at it, but the mother's the one who has to suffer the consequences. And I'm not in favor of abortion, but there have got to be some cutouts, and I think one of them is certainly rape and incest. Okay, the consequences that she will suffer down the road will be the termination of her baby. Because if you ever had a child and... You look back, and I'm going to confess something here. In 1973, I may have been the father of an aborted baby, and that weighed heavy on me. And a, a lot of women that I confessed this to said, wow, we never thought it affect a man like this. But once you have children and you have grandchildren, and you see what you terminated uh, because of a sin of some other person, why should that person suffer? And well, why uh, should the why should the person who has been a victim once, why should they continue to be victimized? Not listening, she will have regrets <laughs> later in life. Well, you don't know that. You assume she will because you did, but that doesn't mean other people will. She may not. Well, then you don't have a goal. If you don't have regrets, if you terminated a life down the road later, you don't have a soul. <laughs> in your view. Where do you stand on how? Where do you stand on Halloween? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> I think it's just another way to make money in a commercialized world. But is it worshiping Beelzebul? Uh, in a way, yes. It, it shows our it's in our paganism, so you don't... which uh, adopted all the paganism in the Catholic religion just to get the people to go along with it. So you don't buy that we're making fun of the devil. I don't believe it. I mean, I might be a Catholic now, but I'm telling you what, I'm not happy with any of the religions in any way. Anything that man gets his hand in, I told you before. We messed it it. up. All right, we got you, Al. Thank you so much for calling in. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Uh, Ken from Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, Bucknell educated, great caller. Thank you for checking in. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Good morning. Um, First of all, I'd like to commend you on your earlier guest. Totally tremendous. One of the best you've ever had. Um, having gone there and listening to him, he was one of the few people that uh, I'm not sure if he was ever one of my uh, professors, but he he really understands it. He was awesome. He gets Perfect. it. Yeah. Um, and I have I have two children. Uh, well, I have four, but I have two in college right at the moment. One's at Lehigh, the other one's at Davidson in North Carolina. All right? 
Um, so they're both relatively liberal schools, more than what I thought they were. Um, so my point is when we talk about this rape and the abortion, of course, there, there are some fine lines. But my son was recommended to be aborted by a left-wing liberal doctor from Geisinger. Recommended. Because they didn't like certain tests. Told us where to go, how to do it, how to get it done. And now he's 6-4 and pitches Division One. So what would have happened if I had killed him? Well, did you take it? I don't know your situation. Was it a gamble to have the child? Obviously, it's worked out fabulously, but was it a gamble? If you had lost that gamble, if whatever the worst-case scenario was that the doctor was suggesting you consider avoiding, what was the worst-case scenario that he was discussing? Or he, I think you called him a he. Yeah, well, it is a, a he, of course. Okay. And it, they still... Um, um, there's still he's and she's. But anyway, the worst gamble was that they were telling us that he might not be mentally correct. So that's why she suggested we ditch him. You did not do that. Okay, well, good for you. All right. So, and as far as why would anyone uh, mandate that a woman cannot abort a child from a rape or incest? What's your view on that? Well, I, I don't necessarily believe in a mandate. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes it could be a mistake. Sometimes maybe it, it's not a mistake. It, it, no one knows. It's not cut and dry by... Any means. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for the uh, good words for uh, Paul. He will be. You knew him when he was Alf. <laughs> now, as he is he assumed his uh, diaconal name of Paul, and uh, he'll come back. Oh, and and I think. I, we'll can I can I make can I make one more comment? And this is just a fun one because earlier, um, your sidekick said, "Why can't we laugh at each other anymore?" Mm-hmm. I'm a pasty white Polak. <laughs> you can laugh at yourself, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I took jokes my whole life. I still do. Well, how many Polaks does it take to change a light bulb? You know, that kind of joke, or did you find that offensive? Uh, I was certainly not offended what? by any of it. And what's not, the answer, Joe? One, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember e the joke. I don't even know. I don't remember the answer, but he has... Uh, a, a good point there, but no, we can't, why can't we laugh at ourselves? Ken, how many Bucknellians does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> none. But the Thousands. No, none. none. They are all so rich, they have someone do it for them. The light bulb has to want to change. Okay, oh, so. you said that yourselves. I didn't say that. See, I would have gotten in trouble for that. But you two <laughs> promulgated that particular Right, you're thing. off the hook. You're anonymous. <laughs> yes, that's what me this time. <laughs> All right, keep us on our toes. Thanks Thank lot, you, Ken. Ken. Yep, appreciate the call. <laughs> All right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We have open phones right at the moment. First time all program that the phones haven't had any callers lined up. So dial. We have several emails. Buddy. Right. Yes, and you're going to get to those. So get your reading glasses on. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Joe's trying to get his uh, reading glasses over his OAN blinders that he wears. So. 
<laughs> OAN blinder? Yeah, the new blinders you wear that allow you to only see the, uh, the OAN network, whatever that stands for, Original American Network or I've something. I've never seen it. <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah, deny it. All right. Yeah, I will. He got rid of his Fox Funnels and put on the blinders. Did you see the email? I sent that out today. Must have All right. <laughs> 1-800. Did you see the emails I sent you? Oh, you missed them, too. No. <laughs> you sent them too late. All right. Uh, lower. Let's see. Right here, we talked a little bit about Convention of States this right. week. Uh, my state legislators are Senator Gene Yaw and Representative David Rowe. I have written both about the importance of supporting the Convention of States. Gene Yaw responded with the runaway convention excuse, stating there was a definite possibility we might lose the right to own guns. When I replied asking him to read the text and see that the convention was confined to three issues only, he declined to answer. David Rowe did not reply, nor did he reply when I contacted him on a different issue. What's really happening here is that legislators are concerned that if we realize that it is feasible to reign in federal government, next thing you know, we're going to want responsible government at the state level, and that scares the heck out of our legislators. Uh, One of our listeners talking about the John Gruden resignation. Yes, John Gruden had to resign because of racist comments he made. Let this tell people to accept... Let this tell people to accept all people, no matter their race, religion, sexuality, or or. This is not part of the email. (laughs) Or Mo. Don't tell people. That doesn't have anything to do with that. It means it's a mobile operator. Okay. And then upper right-hand corner, we talked about Columbus Day. Poor. uh, This is from Mike Bowling. He says, poor Columbus, hated by the Spanish, not trusted by the Catholic Church, his name almost eradicated by his haters, now held up to ever-changing 21st century standards of morals, which did not exist very much in the 50s. 15th century, and not even half of the modern world today. Took small wood sailing ships on what many said was a certain death voyage, and accidentally discovered the new world. How small his naysayers are compared to the great achiever he was. Right. There's got to be, can there not be some common ground where we honor his Italian heritage and exploration and carve out the part, you know, where he chopped up kids in front of their parents to torture <laughs> them and enslave well, them? Well, we got two calls coming in and one on the line. Maybe one of them will have the answer. All right. One 800-795-9565. We'll take a quickie break, and then we're going to bolt towards the end of the show. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, Al, will give you your minute, and then Dan's on the line. Go right ahead. Okay, the answer to the Polak joke is it's five. One to hold the light bulb and four to turn the ladder. All right, perfect. Yeah, one of our listeners emailed it's more likely to be changeable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Uh, Dan, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. 
Hey, good morning. Why, I got to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Fauci, for allowing us to celebrate Halloween. I'm just sitting here on needles and pens. I hope you allow us to celebrate Thanksgiving. Isn't Halloween an ode to the devil, though? Do you participate yeah, in that? I'm just saying that to be a smart aleck. Like, he <laughs> can tell us what we're supposed to do. Who did, Who in the world? Well, who asked him his Dr. opinion on Fauci, that? Fauci, that he can tell us how to live. Well, who asked him his opinion of that? I don't know. I heard him make the statement, and... <laughs> he was going to say we can't celebrate Christmas, but and now he give people permission to sell, to celebrate Halloween. And it's a laugh. What are we, a bunch of sheep out here? We have to get permission from a bureaucrat. No, that's not what happened. Well, you that's, know that. That's being a little unfair there, Dan. That's that not what happened. completely fair. He, he thinks he runs the whole country. No, no, no. Honest and, to Pete. And you, Why are you even doing that? media, you go right along with it. You play the game. And you conservatives make up uh, lies about him like the one you're telling right now. That's exactly what he said. You can. He said it more than once. He said, yeah, you can celebrate Halloween. You can go out with the kiddies and trick-or-treat. The, but it wasn't and granting permission. Somebody asked him what his recommendation was as it related to Halloween. It had nothing to do with a mandate or permission or anything at all whatsoever about uh, well, well, whether we can why, or can't. Right. Why, why would he say that? Why gives him the right to say well, what we can do, ask the interviewer. what we should do, and what well, we shouldn't if, do? If I ask you the question, Dan, is it safe to celebrate Halloween? And you say, yeah, I think it is. Well, well, why are you giving your opinion? Right what say. gives Dan the right you know, some people want to f follow Dr. Fauci. I found him to be such a flip-flopper that I have trouble determining what's true and what isn't true coming out of his mouth, but that's me. But still, common sense would say, all right, I'm, I'm willing to hear the viewpoint. Is it safe for kids to go out on Halloween? Having two grandsons, I would be concerned about whether or not he felt it was safe or anybody thought it was safe. Yeah, he was asked about it on I CNN's. viewed it as advice, not a mandate. Yeah, he was asked on CNN's well, State well, of the <laughs> Union. Uh, let's see. This is from the New York Times. Vaccinated Americans should feel comfortable celebrating Halloween and other upcoming holidays. The nation's top infectious disease expert said Sunday, Dr. Dr. Fauci, uh, blah, 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 title, said outdoor trick-or-treating could be a relatively safe activity, asked about it on CNN State of the Union. Could be a relative. Right. Safe. But still, I mean, he, nobody, he didn't mandate permission, as though he was in that authority anyway. But I yeah, see what Dan's doing. You're, you're, no matter what he says, you hate. And so, therefore, if he's saying about Halloween, he's like, oh, I don't need him for permission to uh, worship yeah, the like, devil. We don't, you know... He acts like he's the authority of everything, <laughs> and most of his okay. stuff is BS. If you listen to other doctors the same field, he don't even practice medicine for a long time, if he ever did. They they have a completely different view on in his view, like we should be out there doing everything we normally do. But he's out there acting like in the media, you're a part of it, CBS, all of them act like, oh, we got to go 
see what Dr. Fauci says on this. It's all the time okay. what Dr. Fauci says. So you say you have a mind of your own and you're not going to listen to him? I, well, I have a mind of common sense, and that's what that counts as much as uh, somebody out there acting like a big bureaucrat telling this sheep what they should do, where they should go, when they can do this, and whatever. But uh, if you have time, going back to Paul, Dr. Seavers there, I agree with about everything he said, except I did, I, if I understood, I might not have understood this right. You can tell me if I'm wrong. He talked as if President Trump stirred up trouble and controversy and I it, like Trump was one of part of the problem back when he was president I I would disagree with that it was the left-wing media all the left-wing <laughs> pundits that every 24 7 the minute he announced he was running 24 7 they were on him trying to find every little fault they could find. Right. Even if they couldn't find them, they made up things. Well, I think and his I don't point was... that on Trump. I think, well, I know you don't, but I think Dr. Sievers was trying to be balanced, and he was saying that Donald Trump didn't help things any by his attitude about the controversies and the... I mean, it um, was one sentence, if that. If that, yeah. It wasn't any prolonged harangue about Donald yeah. Trump being a, a bad person. Which would be defendable, <laughs> but anyway. Which, well... Well, the part that some of them, I understand what he's saying, but the part that you can miss is that 24-7, they pounded Trump. And the current president, they baby. Trump, ain't, Trump went before the media. You mentioned that the today the politics, a lot of them don't go before the media and answer questions, which Biden only answers what he's allowed. But anyway, Trump was before the media day in and day out, and he took their abuse. And they act, they weren't there to get answers. They were there to pound on Trump day and night because they hated him. He was outside their little uh, establishment. And they pounded him, and they had no reason to do that except they hated him, and they hated what he stood for, freedom, free enterprise, America being great again, everything that they hate. They hate this country. They hate it, and you can say <laughs> I'm they starting don't. to get a sense they, they hate do. it. All right, we if got they you. Despise, they despise the free enterprise system. All right, we they got you. They despise our freedom to make our own decisions. Who's this they now? Run Liberals? our own schools. That's what they despise. They want top-down bureaucracy. Right. Who are they again? Us, what what sheeple. what they are you talking about? What they? You know them. They the deep state. Oh, okay. All right, the we got you. Thank you so much. Yep.
Thank you, sir. And All right. Uh, two shorties there. One of our friends, Tom, says most evangelicals have a mouth full of the Bible, a heart full of hate, and two hands after all the money they can get. Well, boy, there's a... <laughs> He needs to see Al, uh, Paul and he his... He needs a uh, Polish joke, and there <laughs> is one. Right. The first American poll, Alexander Graham... No, first telephone poll. First telephone poll, right. Alexander Graham Belsky. <laughs> All right. And one of our good listeners says, Dr. Fauci, Fauci is, is a crook and, and a fraud. fraud. He is directly He's responsible, responsible for financing COVID gain-of-function gain research. <laughs> All right. I want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. They were kind enough to let me drive around in one of their F-150s. I loved it so much that I ordered one up that was slightly similar. Now I'm driving that one, and soon I'll be driving one of the brand new expeditions that they have. And when they get the new Bronco, too, I'll be driving that. It's an opportunity for you to get a perfect vehicle for you, whether it's a Ford, Hyundai, or Kia. They don't oversell you or undersell you. They let you pick the vehicle you want. You order it. They have a few on the lot. <laughs> Both of those yellow Ford Rangers are now gone. As soon as I told John Shipman they were there, they were sold in a big hurry. But the Sunbury Motor Company does sell Ford, Hyundai, and Kia. Uh, many of the vehicles there now are pre-ordered in advance, and then you got to wait a month or two to get them in because of the supply chain dilemma and the superconductors that aren't available. But sunburymotors.com is the place to start that search if you wish. Or you could do as I did. Go ahead and call Kyle right before he left. But now Jason and Alphonse and Ernie and Austin and Jeff Clock, all of those folks will help you out in a tremendous way. They would just love to super serve you at the Sunbury Motor Company, as they have done me, as they have done literally hundreds of of thousands of people over the century. The Sunbury Motor Company is uh, our sponsor, so we appreciate that. Sunburymotors.com. Well, you know, it's funny because we, we can't laugh at each other anymore, and that's that's what's so sad about this country. You well, know, is it I, possible to do it with, like, we're doing it in a friendly way here that isn't disrespectful, but I think a lot of jokes are disrespectful. But isn't that what makes them funny? <laughs> we're uh, making fun on, of Sarah, someone else. Uh, but isn't that what comedy is? If I don't poke fun at you, or you don't poke fun at me, you know, you could never survive the lunch I have with my friends on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, let's make fun of hippies. Because uh, there's fairly Hippie little liberals. respect going on there, but and, a lot of uh, laughter. And you enjoy the Dave Chappelle comedy? I found his, uh, the late the latest one called The Closer. I read the controversy about it with him trying to be uh, canceled by the LGBTQ community. And no, I wanted no, no, to hear, no, 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 not the community. A, a few individuals. Well, quite a few of them apparently but no, not true. the way he speak well then then he's lying because that's what he talks about and, no, and he that, talked about the individuals that you are see against it? him. Yes. Oh, well, I thought it was the group that was against him. I don't think it's the group. I'm not the most... He referred of, to anyway. many people who hounded his friend who committed suicide. Right. Okay. Right. That wasn't just a few. That was apparently quite a few. Okay. To be continued. All right. Watch Glad you it watched if, it. Yeah, watch it if you can. It's on Netflix. Netflix. All right. Thank you so much, Joe. Uh, we thank everybody for participating. We're going to enjoy open phones tomorrow. I won't be here. Joe will be in the Catbird seat. You're listening to WKOK Sunbury.